Hello, and welcome back to Crucial Conversations, and I'm Peter. And I'm Kevin. I don't know why I said and, I'm Peter. I said and also. (laughs) This is episode 31, and we got some cool stuff we're going to talk about. The role of humans in salvation. Wow. Yeah. Um, So, um, if you're a Lutheran, you probably kind of know where we're going with that but not entirely because we're not even sure entirely where we're going with it oh boy which is why these are crucial conversations not crucial um lectures dogmatic answers to life the universe and everything yeah that's the next show we're going to start is <laughs> we can't do that until episode 42 yeah exactly yeah it, that was a cultural reference that kevin actually understood I even know that one. you even know that one although but... i reject that movie and book altogether <laughs> As being anti-Christian. Well, you, it is anti-Christian. It's very. So, yeah, we can put that out there. Anyways, if you wish to support what we are doing here at Crucial Productions, which is the organization that has Crucial Conversations, we also have Anchored in Christ. We have the Bible in Five series coming up. So you're supporting more than a podcast. You're supporting a whole series of events. Hopefully none of them unfortunate. <laughs> Except for maybe the beginning of this podcast is rather yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. Anyways, um, crucialproductions.org slash give is the way to do that. Any little bit helps after you've given to your church first. We definitely want you to do that first. So, Kevin, for today's show, we got an email question. Did you know people can email us questions? How? They can. And but and we'll actually answer them on, on the show if it if it fits into a show topic. So there's two ways you can do that. You can just straight up send an email to questions at crucialproductions.org, or you can go to the website, crucialproductions.org, and there's a ask a question link right there at the top, and you just click that link and fill out the form and it'll send us a question. So like two ways. They both end up being email on our end, so it's one way from our perspective, two ways from their perspective. What if they go to the Grok Moot? Well, if they go to the Grok Moot, which is our Facebook group, which there's links to that down below every show episode too, you can ask questions there, and you can have your questions answered there. We've got several pastors, quite a few pastors who are there to help out and answer your questions. Plus, we're there as well, and sometimes we chime in. Um, so you can ask questions there. And if you give us permission, we'll use that question on the show. But the Grok Mood is actually a private group. Yeah. It's a s- safe space. Yeah. Oh, there's another cultural reference, yeah, but not a movie one. Um, for you to ask questions where you're not going to get attacked, you're not going to get jumped on. We're there to actually help you work through difficult questions, which means we're not going to like publicly ridicule you in a podcast episode. Right, but, but not, we not are, that we actually ridicule anybody except ourselves in these episodes. <laughs> yes, and we are worthy of such ridicule. Yes, um, but we are going to do this. If you if you ask a question, we're going to take it seriously, mm-hmm. which means we're going to answer. We're going to do our best to answer the entire question, and and that's so. So we're not going to ridicule ridicule anybody because that is not kind or good. Yeah, nor helpful. And and as we said before, we certainly deserve more ridicule than anybody that I know. Um, so that wouldn't make any sense, but we are going to take questions seriously. And so sometimes people ask questions, they get upset because we answer way more than they asked, <laughs> but we actually believe in a God who is way more than we understand. Yeah. And so there, there in, and this is an important thing for us to kind of talk about is that 
we kind of are operating under the principle that when we ask questions, it the the surface answer, or as I always say, tra- treating the symptoms doesn't really help the issue. What you really want to get to is what's going on. What what does God in Christ do to inform the way I think about a certain issue or a certain question I might have or mm-hmm. a theological issue or a text in Scripture? What what does the definitive action of God in Christ Jesus? How does that influence the way I I read Scripture? The way I think about issues in my world? Mm-hmm. The way I encounter other people on the internet yeah. or in real life, which I know is a terrifying idea. But and, and those are two separate things. They, they actually are, <laughs> quite. So so that's kind of a little bit of a caveat as far as if you ask a question, this ain't the place to get a yes or a no and walk away. We're well, probably going to take the question seriously and, and do our best to really help everyone think it through. Which is actually why we've never been able to successfully record a half-hour podcast for this right. half-hour podcast. Exactly. <laughs> That's our target, but we've never actually gotten there because Crucial Conversations operates under the same model or this the same approach where we, we want to help you thoroughly work through all that the question entails, not just give, give here's, a, here's a quick, easy answer. And yeah. like, like Kevin, like you said, I think that can be frustrating for many people because... I, I know at least the internet culture teaches you to expect and look for quick, easy answers. Look, just give me the quick answer that I can copy and paste it over mm-hmm. here to respond to my friend because the conversation is happening now. It's going on right now and I got to answer now. And there's, there's this artificial urgency that's often created in online conversations and that can get ported over into real life conversations where you feel that same need for that urgency of, I got to answer it now, which is going to push you towards quick, easy, fast, you know, bite size answers. And we're kind of, we're, we're definitely going against the culture in that (laughs) swimming upstream. I mean, how many other metaphors can we use where we're fighting against that, which is odd because I spend my whole day on social media. I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> I'm not sticking within my idiom, sir. Hey, look, another reference. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's get to it because that's enough references. All right. So here's the question, which I'm glad we set up like that because this question is one that very often some people look for a quick answer. Um, so this question's from Eddie, who I don't think is actually looking for a quick answer. I think Eddie actually yeah. wants us to work through this, I which is so. why he sent it. So it's a fantastic question. Uh, do we have the ability to influence minutely or even greatly or any at all whether someone rejects Christianity? I know it is the spirit that brings one to faith through the word and baptism, and we are all enemies of God before that, and even have the sinful struggle afterwards. But could we be such jerks, or in some extreme cases that I have heard, a person is hurt so badly by those in the church that they reject Christianity after that episode? I imagine that it would be sinful to believe that we have no effect and go forth as, quote, jerks, thinking, it's not us anyway. That would not be loving our neighbor and obviously not a fruit of the Spirit. Kind of gets one into a looping type mentality. Thank you for your great podcasts. Ooh, you're welcome. Wow. Thank you for the compliment. Thanks for listening. All right, so so the basic question here, if we're just going to boil this down, is 
I know I can't influence my own salvation in any way. We've we've talked about that on the podcast before. The the theological term for that would be divine monergism. God yeah. is the one who does all the work in salvation. If you follow us on Instagram, social media, we've posted various quotes to that effect in Bible verses to help people see you are not the one who influences your salvation. It's entirely dependent on God. Okay, so we've covered, I don't influence mine, but can I influence somebody else's? And that's that's really a great question. And one of the reasons it's a great question is because it, it shows concern for our neighbor, which, yeah. which is a huge, sometimes unspoken but essential part of our Christianity is that salvation is not for me and Jesus. The fact that, that God loves the world and sent his son to die for the sins of all mankind, to rise again, to conquer death on our behalf, and then gives that to me in my baptism, that doesn't remove me from the context of existing with other people. Mm-hmm. And what and the first thing we hear when we talk about what is God's will for us, it's to love God, of course, and that's something the Spirit teaches us to do in our faith. Mm-hmm. But then right away, it's to love neighbor. Yep. And and that's why this question is so great because he's he's taking seriously love of neighbor. Yeah, and he even mentioned right. It doesn't seem loving to my neighbor. Exactly, which is <laughs> which is fantastic. This yeah. is exactly the right way to to think about things. Is in my vocation to love my neighbor, which is all of our vocations in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. What, can I mess this up? Can I actually mess up in such a way that affects someone's salvation? So great question. This is the right way to be asking questions and be thinking about our faith is Mm -hmm. how do I live out my reality as a Christian for the benefit of my neighbor? And how do I avoid doing something that could hurt my neighbor? Right. (laughs) Which is kind of the same thing. So that's great. Love that. That is fantastic. Um, There's a lot to this question and and we're going to run out of time before we get to all of it. We but usually do. We usually do. <laughs> so so I think one of the things that we want to start with is there aren't a lot of verses in the New Testament that talk about how do we witness to our neighbor. We know that. There's mm-hmm. just not a lot there. Right. Okay. You, you kind of got Matthew 28 as your big Great Commission verse. You got the ends of the other Gospels that, that kind of echo that, mm-hmm. right? You've got some things in Acts, yep. maybe 1-8. All these verses are the things we could talk about later, but the the one you like, Peter, is is in first yes. first Peter, Peter three. So I'm going to start reading at fourteen, just because that's kind of where the sentence begins. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, those who are persecuting you, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. I Yeah, I. this is actually my go-to verse for talking about sharing the faith. Because we, we mentioned the, the famous Great Commission passage, as it's called, but what's problematic about that one is it's primarily given to pastors. They are the audience, the 12 right there at that point. The first pastors are the audience of that one, and it includes the whole baptizing, which we talked about in a previous episode, is most 
rightly ordered done by pastors. And so we, we discuss that. And so as a Christian, if I'm trying to figure out where is my role in this and what, what do I do? First Peter 3 is written to the church. I'm okay. I'm a part of the church. So this is a little closer to me since I'm not a pastor trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing as a pastor. And, and it talks about specifically how do your love your neighbor? What does this look like? And what, is, what should your attitude be as you're doing this? So for me, this is an easy go-to verse for this question specifically because Eddie's asking, well, it doesn't seem right that we can just be jerks. It's like, well, no, Peter actually explicitly says gentleness and respect because the goal is you're going to be persecuted. This is, this is the nature of what's going to happen. You as a Christian, because of what you believe and what you confess, will be persecuted for that. So when that comes, make sure that's what you're actually being persecuted for, not you being a jerk, <laughs> if and, I can put it that way. And, and the other thing is, is don't skip the first part of the verse. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I've got the NIV in my head, right? But in the NIV it says, but in your hearts... Set apart Christ as mm-hmm. Lord, and the NIV is, is yes, is similar, but but I, I've always loved that phrase. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. That means if Christ is Lord, I'm not, and that means when I'm persecuted, I'm not the Lord then either. And so I'm not, I'm not in a position where I'm supposed to strike back mm-hmm. to defend myself or to get my comeuppance or something like that. No, 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 because because mm-hmm. in my heart, Christ. Is Lord to defend my good name? Even right. that's I mean, not even up to me. That's not the point. Yeah, Christ is Lord. He's He's the one for whom I am living. Right. My other one of my other favorite passages, and I quote it all the time, just because you know I like it, is <laughs> is Second Corinthians chapter five, verses fourteen and following, and it says, "But the love of Christ compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died. And those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him." Mm-hmm. who died for them. And and see, that's the change, is when Christ is Lord in your heart and you're giving a witness, Peter, mm-hmm. to the hope that you have. The hope is not you. Yeah. The hope is Christ, <laughs> which means your witness, even the way you give that witness, is going to be a witness. Yeah. Right? Of the hope that you have. See, if 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 you say my hope is in Christ and I then do something that personally offends you and you respond with attacking me to defend your person, mm-hmm. well, that's not really showing me where your hope lies. It's, it's, I don't know if this is too graphic, but it's, you know, if it's, I take your arm and start beating you with it and telling you your hope is in Christ. Right. The words I'm saying are very true, Kevin. Or if, or if I, <laughs> right, the words are true. I'm, they're, they're true. There's nothing wrong with what I'm saying. I am confessing the faith to you as I beat you with your own arm. Or even worse, if I, if if you come at me and say that you have hope in Christ, and then I say, well, well, you're you're just not very smart, and then your reaction is to defend your intelligence. Look at my you, degrees. You just told me yeah. that your actual hope is not in Christ, but in your own intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so when you get insulted, you don't run to Christ and find shelter there. You yeah. run to yourself, and that's why this is so important. Is that our interaction with other people, especially when we're witnessing to our faith, right? Mm-hmm. It is not to defend ourselves or to get ourselves 
furthered in the conversation. It really is to be Christ mm-hmm. for that person and, and to show them what Christ is like. And I think as, as we're talking through this, I think one thing that's helpful to me is when you, when you said we're not to defend ourselves, if, if I am attempting to confess Christ to somebody and they come back to me and say, you're being a jerk, you're just being mean, and I respond in any way with, here's how I'm not being mean, I'm actually being kind, I'm actually justifying myself in that moment. And, and my, my refusal to apologize to that individual and say, I am sorry, that isn't what I intended, I'm sorry I came across that way, but instead going the direction of, no, I wasn't mean and here's why I wasn't mean, that's actually the opposite of what Christ calls us to do because then I am running to myself, my own attitude, and to justify myself rather than saying, I am sorry, this isn't about me. Let and me it, apologize to you because it's not about me and my right, attitude. Right, it's not about me. And <laughs> Explaining that is, why my attitude is right makes it about me. <laughs> and and let's not forget, and, and, and trust me, this is not mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just talking honestly about this. If you are witnessing to an unbeliever, they are not going to want the conversation to stay on Jesus. Yeah. They are going to want the conversation to go anywhere but Jesus. Which will mean pointing out your flaws. Exactly. Every way in which you've screwed up, which that'll which come is, into it. Again, we've got to go back to our theology, and we do believe in concupiscence. Ah! And it's like three episodes in a see, row you got it see? first. I'm off my game. And we, we, drew, we do take seriously when Paul says that before conversion, we're enemies of God, mm-hmm. which means that if I'm speaking with somebody who is a naughty believer, they are actually opposed to the message that I'm speaking to them. Mm-hmm. I should not expect anything but attacks. And those attacks, like all of us who are in over our heads when we're arguing, right, <laughs> are going to be anything but the actual subject. Right. So, you know, when I get involved with somebody who's smarter than I am, which which happens all the time, right? It's easy. I'm not very smart. Is I quickly go to things that I can distract them with, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's something to remember when we're witnessing to somebody is that they do not want the conversation to rest on Jesus. Because that is law for them, mm-hmm. right? Because you are now preaching law to an unbeliever to get them to repentance and to Christ and all those things, right? And so they're going to do anything but accept that law being from the Almighty God, and they're going to say, well, who are you? You don't have any right. It's just your opinion or your whatever, whatever, right? Or is in the case of the question that Eddie sent in this person at church that hurt them so badly that they want nothing to do with it anymore. See, if this is what Jesus is like, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. You know, and you're like, what? Well, okay, no. <laughs> but, but let's be honest about this, is that if I'm loving my neighbor, I need to, as First Peter tells us, I need to be ready to absorb that persecution, mm-hmm. that suffering for Christ's name, and not defend myself, right? but still put Christ as Lord, and then as far as it is up to me, gentleness, respect, right? And, and when you start looking at the New Testament and the way that, that the apostles encourage believers to speak, mm-hmm. it's amazing what you find. You know, I think of James chapter 1, verse 19. 
Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Mm. See, that is so far from responding with an attack. Yeah, or, or being defending jerk, myself personally. Or defending myself. So I think what we're really getting at is that it's, it is very important as we speak the word of Christ to our neighbor to remember that, that our action of speaking is part of our speaking. Mm-hmm. That might sound silly. <laughs> but part of my witness is the fact that I'm speaking to you about this it means it's so important to me that I'm willing to have this conversation, conversation with you. Yeah. But then also how I respond to you and how I treat you is to be a witness to how God is acting in this conversation. Now, in spite of all my pop cultural references, I'm going to say something very countercultural right now. Good. I will understand. Which is that this is a very humiliating thing to do. And being humiliated in this case is actually what you want. Because you being humiliated in the proper biblical sense means you go away. Yeah. It's not about you. You are humbled, you are made small which our sinful nature, that concupiscence, hates, mm-hmm. hates this. Hates. And, wh- and this, is, this is what I have had to learn. When I find myself fighting against being humiliated, I've learned, well, I'm learning. Try I'm continuing, because <laughs> it depends on the situation. Sometimes mm-hmm. I take it well, but just learning that I'm, I'm being humiliated right now, that's actually okay, because if I'm being humiliated... I'm not the focus. Right. And I can point people to Christ and say, this is great. I'm now out of the way because I've been humiliated. <laughs> but and our culture, you you say face, you build right. up your name, you protect your name, you you pr- does, um, defend your good name. Like, no, you don't do... And, I'm, and what scripture actually says is, nope, that you're nothing and that's okay. Because and, you don't actually want to be anything. And... <laughs> You know, even Luther encourages us in this is is to build up our neighbor's reputation, mm-hmm. not our own. Yeah. See, make sure that we're doing everything to build up our neighbor's reputation, and and it's this continual. I mean, this is this is really if if we're gonna be totally blunt about things, when it comes to sanctification on a horizontal plane, right? If if you guys know what that means, between sanctification you and me. is a big fancy word for how to live the Christian life. Right? Mm-hmm. We're made holy in Christ. How do we live as holy people? Yep. We live according to the will of God. Well, let's be blunt. We're not very good at that. So we got to kind of <laughs> learn how to do that. Right? We pretty much stink. We work on it daily. This, this is one of the reasons we, we have these conversations. One of the reasons we admonish each other as brothers, encourage each other as brothers, mm-hmm. is because you know we're, we're, we're learning this as we go, right? So, so that's what sanctification is all about, is how to live out the will of God. Now that you've been made holy in your baptism, how do you live that out? Mm-hmm. Um. But then the horizontal realm, like you said, means between you and me, between humans. Mm-hmm. Vertical is me and God, right? And yep. no, that's all in Christ. Yep. No doubt. Well, we're also commanded to love our neighbor. So that means in the horizontal realm, how do I live out my sanctification? See, that's where this gets tough because when we live out our sanctification before other people, it really is no longer about me getting things from me. The turn is my focus is entirely on my neighbor, building up my neighbor, loving my neighbor. Mm. I don't worry about myself. I, 
this is such a phenomenal passage. I don't even come into it. I, I'm just not part <laughs> of the equation. Yeah. Um, and and there, I need to be careful because I'll waste the rest of our time on this. That's okay. But, I'll bring us back. I've but got, remember, yeah. remember in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, he's like, are you worried about your clothes? What you're going to eat? Mm-hmm. What you're going to wear? Where you're going to live? And he says, well, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Right? You got Solomon's robes, and they're they're not planning ahead. Mm-hmm. And your father feeds them. And then he says the craziest thing. He doesn't say, therefore, go home and put money in your savings account and buy all the clothes you can and, and protect yourself. He doesn't. He <laughs> says, if you're actually worried about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, seek first the kingdom of God. Hmm. Seek first the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not made up in selfishness. It's not made up in getting my own and then seeing what I got left over to help you with. Yeah. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, if you ask for my cloak, I give you my tunic as well. If you hit me on one cheek, I turn the other and let you have it in one as well. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about serving you. Yeah. Because that's what our God has done, and that's who we are. And I don't determine what it means to serve you. That's actually maybe the hardest part of all yeah. of this, is I don't get to be the one who decides what it is that you need when right. I'm serving you as my neighbor. Which and means you could... Okay, that scares me, because now you could take advantage of me and take whatever you wanted from me, Kevin, and I'd have to be okay with that. Yes. As a matter of fact, you have to see it as not yours. Uh, now I don't yeah. like, no, I don't like this conversation. I don't like, yeah, I don't like this at all. <laughs> and, and I know a lot of listeners will say we're wrong in this, but, but I mean, scripturally, that, that this is, is what, what yeah, it says. That, that's what it says. So and, and, and yeah. it doesn't change. Paul's not like, Oh, Jesus didn't mean it. No, it seriously well, it depends on vocation. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Find that. So, I mean, but, this is seriously the call to die to self and live for Christ and others. Mm-hmm. It, this is the Christian call. And and I can't do this. I stink at this. Yeah. I'm selfish. I, I want what I want. I want my house. I want my stuff. And you're welcome to borrow it because I know you'll probably give it back. And if not, I can get your wife to tell you to give it back. <laughs> yeah, you she'll know. make me give it exactly. back. Exactly. Yeah, she's nice. You know, but but am I willing really willing to lay down my life for my, for my neighbor whom I don't know nor care nor like. And that's where it gets, like I said, the sanctification stuff is not mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it's such a struggle because our concupiscence fights against the spirit of God. The spirit of God is telling us that Christ is Lord and we are to love our neighbors. And our concupiscence is saying, no, actually I'm God and I need to look out for number one. Mm-hmm. And it's that battle. Yeah. Think through the Ten Commandments, right? And we won't go through them all, but you know, starting at, at, at the fourth one, it's all about how I love my neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. Why are there two commandments about coveting? <laughs> you know, it's as, like, we, as we divide it, at least. Because yeah. we really have a problem with this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we really have a problem. And if you think about it, actually, the fourth commandment is about coveting. Don't, mm-hmm. don't want authority that God gave to somebody else. Yep. The fifth is about coveting. Don't One. get life at the cost of someone else's life. Mm-hmm. The sixth commandment is about coveting. God gave your wife. Be content with that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have one, wait until yeah. God gives you one. <laughs> right? Sixth yeah. commandment. Seventh commandment, don't steal. Well, that's explicitly coveting. Yeah. You're taking something <laughs> that God gave yours. to somebody else. <laughs> right? Eighth commandment, don't covet someone else's reputation. Think about that. Yeah. I covet 
a good name. So I will take yours away in order to get mine. Mm-hmm. That's just coveting. Which we, we've, that's what we've talked about. When right. I'm going to defend myself against you. I'm coveting. Yeah. I am taking, usually the way that always happens. I've never, well, I'll say always because I've never seen it happen any other way. But the way that I will defend my name against yours is by showing how much better than you I am right in whatever area, whether yeah. it's intelligence, whether it's knowledge, whether it's better than yours, yeah, or I have more influence than you, you know, whatever it is, and so I am defending myself by taking away your good name because I have to put you down, right, to put myself up, and and so what we're getting at is when you talk about witnessing to to a neighbor or or someone anyone about Christ, even through a fellow Christian. Mm-hmm. Sometimes especially fellow Christians. Yeah, sometimes especially. <laughs> the, the temptation is to see this as a place for me to play a major role in this mm-hmm. instead of really being a full witness to Christ, meaning I'm simply here to show you who he is and what he has done. And, and I, want to, I want to take you on a little journey, and, and I really do want you to go with me on this journey. And, and, and as, as all good journeys do, it's in the Gospel of John, right? That's where they all begin, <laughs> of course it's in the is. Gospel of John. But, but just think about John chapter 1, verse 19, through the end of chapter 3. And go ahead and read it. It's the story of John the Baptist being who he was sent to be. Mm. See, it says in John chapter 1, verse 6, there was a man sent from God. His name was John. His name was John. And he was sent as a witness in order to bear witness about the light, the true light that was coming to the world, the light in all people. So he sent his job in being sent from God is to witness to Christ. So then in 119, guess what it says? And John was a faithful witness. And it shows how. Mm-hmm. Men were sent from Jerusalem to ask, well, who are you? Are you the Christ? And he says, nope. No. And Faith- I'm not even worthy to tie his Faithful sandal. witness, right? Because an unfaithful yeah. witness would have said, I could enjoy this popularity. Mm. Uh, these religious leaders are coming to me. I could soak this up. I could I benefit could be, from this. I could have. I could be a YouTube celebrity. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's what we think. Especially with that wearing camel's hair. Yeah, and I mean, he's, locusts, he's got the whole. That's viral he's gold. Already, yes. <laughs> I mean, just just film yourself eating locusts and wild honey. Be like, come on, Bear Grylls, bring it. Uh-huh. You know. I mean, but he doesn't. Look what John the Baptist does. He turns everything onto Christ. Mm -hmm. Are you this? No. Are you this? No. Are you this? No. But there's one who's after me, who was before me. He's better than I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not even worthy, like you said, to untie the sandals. And then Jesus shows up, and guess what John does? He points. He says, Behold. Yeah, behold. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you know what happens? He loses disciples. Yeah, they all start leaving. And then the ones that are left say... Hey, your disciples are leaving to follow Jesus. Right. Doesn't this bother you? And he's like, "What? You're not getting it." <laughs> and that's where that's where John. I mean, think about this. The end of John three, John the Baptist. This is so confusing. Two Johns, right? Yeah. So the baptizing John, not the author of the Gospel John. Right. But so in the Gospel of John, chapter three, at the end, the baptizing John says, "He must increase, I must, I must decrease." Decrease. And and I truly believe that this narrative is what it looks like to be a faithful witness. Hmm. And, and even in, in this very confusing part of the end of John 3, he says, look, 
the bridegroom is here. And therefore, as a friend of the bridegroom, I rejoice. Okay, but if we're going to go with John as the example, didn't he call the Pharisees a brood of vipers at well, one point? You know, he, he and that was that was rather mean, and I think he was kind of a jerk at that point. He says so. Therefore, he says, "Well, who if told I, you come out to me? If I why? want to call somebody a brood of vipers, yeah, I can." That's exactly right. If if you're a man sent from God to be a witness for the light, and you're actually Elijah and the fulfillment of Isaiah 40, go for it. The, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and the other problem is, and I thought about that actually as I was driving home, is is somebody might say, well, Jesus calls him a brood of vipers. John the Baptist calls him a brood of vipers. Why yeah. can't we? And the answer is is not just the snarky, you're not John the Baptist or Jesus, but the other, the other answer to that question that I would say more frequently is, why, when you read that text, are you putting yourself in the role of the righteous person hmm. and not in the role of the one who needs correction? Yeah, why aren't you See, the brood of vipers? When I read a story about baptism and people coming for repentance, I'm not the baptizer. I'm the one needing repentance. Hmm. When I read the story of Jesus teaching sinners the truth about God's kingdom, I'm not Jesus. I'm the one who needs to be taught. Yeah, I'm the disciple. A disciple is someone who learns, and my teacher is Jesus. I'm not the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> See, so my, my point to those texts would be you're, you're assuming that you're standing in the role of Jesus. Um, a word to the wise, Uh-oh. don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> See, and this is part of what we're getting at as we talk about how to read the Scripture through the lens of Jesus. And one of the things we do is we let Jesus be the, his, the, the hero in all of his stories. Mm-hmm. I don't read parables and say, oh, I'm the one doing good. My neighbor's the one who needs to hear this. <laughs> no, I read the parables and, and I listen to the words of Jesus, which says, repent. Yeah. Or you too will perish. So what we've done, we've kind of, like we always, like we often do, Kevin, we take the second part of a question and answer that first and work our way back to yeah, the beginning. So, the beginning. so we've spent most of this time talking about the don't be a jerk part. Because the, the first part is rather self-evident, that if we believe in divine monergism, once yeah. again, that God is the sole actor in our salvation, then the answer to the question of, do I have an influence on whether my neighbor comes to faith? The straight answer to that is, no. No. You don't. You have nothing to do with that. I have nothing to do it's with up to that. to God. Which is how we get ourselves to the second part of this question, because usually the response is then, well then I can do whatever I want because it's God who does all the work anyways. I mean, if he's always the one acting, I have nothing to do with this. Great, I'm going to go nuts. And as we were talking about this before, as we're kind of thinking through this question, my response was, I think Romans six has something to do with that. Yeah, Romans six, which is which is <laughs> kind of know, answers that a little what, bit. Should we sin so that grace can abound? No, that's just silly. yeah. Paul's like, you're silly. Why are you? Why would, why would you, you want you to that? sin more? Because grace is now a thing. That's and that's the, silly. And the other thing is, is when we when we go down this road, and it's in a, we always affirm divine monergism. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of our main things we're trying to get at is that divine monergism is important. Yeah, that matters. Christ did it all. Yeah, right? Christ did it all. And so, Peter, you are not responsible in any way, shape, or form for anyone's salvation. It's just not on your shoulders, including my own. It's just not your deal. Yeah. You're not God. Right. But the same scriptures teach us over and over and over. Just think about Romans 10. How can they hear unless someone was sent to tell them? Mm -hmm. 
right? I mean, it, I say this a lot when I teach the Bible, is that you can take it up with God, but he has chosen to work through sinners to bring this gospel message to other sinners. Yeah. We can't get around that. Yep. I mean, <laughs> the only way God has promised to work is if somebody tells someone about Jesus. You, The word of God is to be spoken to somebody else. And, and it's even in the Book of Concord, right? Article 5 of the Oxford Confession says, so Article 4... Augsburg Confession. If you haven't yep. read this, then you should. You really should read Augsburg Confession. It's not a very long read. If you read the first yep. fifteen articles or so, just just read those. You'll get a good feeling. At of least what up we're through eighteen about. is yeah. really good too. And and, yeah. and and I actually do suggest you, if you haven't done that, please do that. That'll really give you a good flavor of what Lutherans mean when we talk about stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very good and it's very easy to read. Yep. Um, it's available online for free. Bookconcord.org. Yep. Bookconcord.org. It's free. Easy to so, get there. So seriously, we, we recommend that. It's, it's good reading. Um, but if you, if you read through Article 4 of the Augsburg Confession, is the most important article in the Lutheran faith. That's, that's kind of our, this is what we mean, mm-hmm. right? This so is the like, linchpin of everything. This is it. Well, the interesting thing is Article 5 says, in order for this good news to be shared, right? In order for anybody to believe this, God gave us the, the office of the holy ministry. See, he actually instituted the office of preaching and baptizing and baptizing and giving the Lord's Supper, of proclaiming the word and administering sacraments. Mm-hmm. What that means is that that office is filled by people. See, in order for this good news to be shared with sinners, God uses people. So yes, we, we, we affirm divine monergism, mm-hmm. but divine monergism is delivered through means. Yeah. And we call it means of grace. We call it all kinds of things. We call it vocation. We call it masks of God. We call it all kinds of things. And, and we the, affirm that God is the one who set right. it up this way. Like, but this, this is God's program. <laughs> yeah. This. So, so the reality is, is that if you are speaking to your neighbor about Christ, we believe that that's how God brings the word of God to people's lives and can actually work salvation through that. So do you play a role? No. Does God work through you? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Can you mess that up? Whenever, right, right whenever the <laughs> one other question is, can you or can I? The answer is going to be, yeah, I can mess that up. That that's the law side of the question, right? Yeah, but the gospel side of it is, can and will God work through you to bring this good news to your neighbor? And the answer is, yes. He he will work through you when you express it perfectly. He will yes. work through you when you're an utter and total jerk about it. Yes. It, it, it's not about you. Yeah. And yet, you still don't get to say, well, I'm going to choose the jerk option because that's easier. <laughs> well, and the reason is, is because the jerk option is inconsistent with who you are in Christ. Yeah. I mean, that's the point. You're not it's like saying, you're a Christian. Why would you want to do that? We are no, in no <laughs> way saying that Christian witness is more effective if you're nicer. Right. That is or I, or winsome as we like to say in LCMS circles. I think that is that is such <laughs> a misunderstanding of what's going on here. Yeah. The effectiveness of the gospel is simply the word of God and the spirit working through his own means. That's his promise, that's his deal. We don't deal with it. That's mm-hmm. we just we are faithful to the call to witness. That's it. But being a jerk, being mean, cutting other people down is contrary to who you are as a baptized child of God. Yeah. And therefore is inconsistent with your witness to who Christ is. So don't do it. It's not because God can't work. Are you kidding? He's God. 
<laughs> if that was the way it works, there wouldn't be any Christians. You do realize that, right? That yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like anyone's ever been perfect at this. Um, Adam and Eve pretty much messed it up right away. Oops. Yeah, yep. and didn't do so good with her children. So we know God is not contingent upon the goodness of people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we are called in Christ to be servants of Christ, to imitate him, to speak well, to be gentle. Mm-hmm. And and that's really the goal, is, is not that we're saying, I'm either going to be an effective witness or an ineffective witness. That's got the focus in the wrong place altogether. Yeah. The point is, the witness occurs through God working through sinners to bring the word of God to those sinners. That's God's deal. Now, as a believer, I am called to serve my neighbor in love. And that affects how I speak to him. And what we are speaking to them of is Christ himself, what he has done, who he is, what he's done for them, because that's what we want them to hear. That is the crucial conversation. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks.